Welcome to The Mystic and the Skeptic, the show that asks the tough questions and explores different alternatives to today's pressing issues, theories, or enigmas. A podcast devoted to the exploration of all things mystical, philosophical, scientific, political, conspiratorial, and cosmic. Join us in an exploration of the mystic skeptic mind space. Welcome to our series called Sojourners, where we discuss intentional living, community creation, awareness, uniqueness, and hope. We have family from Shelbyville, Kentucky. The dad in the family, Chase Robbins, is going to be telling us about their plan to pursue green living, to try to get off the grid and see what intentional communities and that type of lifestyle is all about. And in the past couple of conversations, we've discussed some of the challenges that people face when they decide to do that, some of the things that people can do in an urban setting to pursue that lifestyle. We just want to open it up to a discussion and to bring up some things that my family experience and other families that I've been talking to that can help new families or individuals who are interested in that lifestyle to what to think about when when you're planning to do such a radical shift in the way that you live your life, the way that you raise your children, the way you even think about the world. Chase, can you tell us a little bit about how this came about and especially a little bit about yourself and your family? I guess uh, really, Victor, we have two kids, my, uh, myself and, and my wife, Victoria. Uh, we have an eight-year-old daughter and a, and a six-year-old son. And uh, it's funny, I'm actually blo- you know writing a blog post about this right now, but I think it really all just, um, you know, kind of comes down to, to whenever, you know, you have kids, your priorities shift a lot and, uh, you, you know, you become a lot more aware of, of things that, that were never really even a consideration prior to, to uh, to having kids, and and I think you kind of become a lot more aware of, you know, the the unsustainable nature of a lot of things. You know, whether it's you know food production or you know economic or political considerations or whatever, and and that just kind of the, the combination of all of those things is is what really kind of um, uh, started put to push us in, in the direction to to start making those sort of changes and. And then it kind of went through a few a few different um, evolutions as far as how we you know how we thought we should should pursue it or whatever and and um, you know initially it was to kind of strike out on our own you know and and to go out and and try to do it on your own but then as you learn more you, you start to realize how um, almost impossible you know it, it is to uh, to do especially when you're you're talking about just parents with small children and everything you know you can't possibly master all of the you know the skills and and um you know just the amount of knowledge you, you would have to have to be able to to live completely off grid and completely self-sufficiently and completely you know in a sustainable green green way you know and uh so so that's kind of brought us to the point now where where we're starting to look towards more of a you know an intentional community type uh, type thing when we we met through Facebook, uh, there's a group called Intentional Community Resources and Discussion for Families with Children. This was started by a friend of mine, Rachel Cohen, who has been researching, presenting, and uh, working on creating an intentional community or finding the right intentional community for her and her family. Um, so now that this group is available, people feel uh, comfortable sharing about their experiences, about uh, some of the intentional communities that they have visited and how they, they've they been able to either feel welcome bringing children or, um, you know, some of the things that they've b- become aware of. And that's the one thing that um, some people not might not be familiar with, that not every intentional community is actually 
uh, open to raising children. Uh, there was a, uh, one in particular that uh, they have a quota, and if um, at that point they have too many children, they uh, they actually turn people down. Have you guys ever heard about that? Uh, I don't know if I've come across one that, that was quite like that. I know we've definitely we've definitely seen some where where you know maybe it was not specifically set out right, but you could just tell through the process of talking to them and, and researching them that it was definitely a more of a you know, either an older, you know, an older, a community for older people or a community or community for younger people, you know, a lot of college age type, um, type residents. But personally, I have not come across anything where I've seen where they, they've, uh, they've had a quota. Do you guys have the type of job that you have the ability to move anywhere in the country or are you planning to, um, look for a community that, that you're able to financially sustain yourself? Some people have, money saved up, some people um, have the ability to work in different environments. Um, and, and also, what was what was your first interaction with this type of idea? Like, did you read it in a, in a magazine? What made you start thinking in these terms as a family? Well, to start, start with the, uh, the financial part of it, um, it's a little bit of an all-of-the-above approach, I guess. We were fortunate enough we're in a situation where we have a little bit of a passive income, um, nothing that you could definitely, you know, that you could absolutely live off of, but it's definitely, uh, um, you know, it's definitely there. It's definitely helpful. Um, and we do have a few other things that we're, we're doing. And, well, my wife definitely has some things that she knows that can be done anywhere. Um, she, um no, we won't even get we won't get into all the specifics. But she she has a job that she can do uh, pretty much anywhere, and uh, we're uh, we're working on some other um, uh, income producing projects right now um, that would that would help to um, help with the financial part of it. Also, kind of like you mentioned, uh, we were hoping that within the community or around the community, there will be some opportunities to uh, uh, to produce income. Uh, as far as what kind of got us to to this point, where where we we've kind of been moving towards an intentional community. Um, I feel like I said initially, I guess we just thought, you know, that this is something that we were just going to go out and do on our own. You know, we were going to go buy some land and we were going to, um, you know, learn to do all of these things on, you know, on our own and then just suddenly become wise and, and, and experts on this. But, uh, you know, eventually as you start looking more into it, I think you become, you know, you get a reality check. And uh, I really can't say necessarily where we first came across the um, the concept of, of an intentional community. Um, I mean, I would have to say surely it was, you know, on the Internet, Facebook, something like that. Um, but once we did, it was just kind of like automatically just clicked. It was like, yeah, this, this is, you know, this is the answer, I guess. So, you know, we've, we've looked more into it. And since then, you know, we've visited a few places. We've talked. Um, we've talked with, you know, with people that, um, you know, are, are hope, you know, hope the want to start new communities. We've talked to people that are residents of communities, things like that. We've, we've done a lot. Now we're kind of getting to that point where we're, we're getting much closer to actually making that jump. And the reason I mentioned a magazine is because that's how we came across intentional communities. Uh, there's a communities magazine that, that ran for a while. And I think that now they're, there's, they, they sell back issues and now they're, they started up again and they have a website also. And then there's the, Intentional community, um, it's ic.org, and it has a list of all the intentional communities in different even countries and 
it gives you their website and contact information. They have a directory as well. So tell us uh, what intentional communities have you been in touch with or visited, and what are the things have you seen that are different from each one? Uh, we've visited a community called Living Roots that's in southern Indiana, um, and we are getting ready to go to Dance and Rabbit um, out of northern Missouri later this month, actually. Um, we talked to a couple of communities in various stages of, of, you know, getting going. You know, some of them are just in the concept phase. Some of them are in the, you know, the land acquisition phase. They actually have the land and, you know, are trying to risk that, you know, reach that critical mass of, of, you know, interested people, um, to move forward. Um, what was the second part of the question? I think that was it because there are some that are shared income, like they call it um, like a shared purse. There are some that are next to Dancing Rabbit. We were planning to interview a family that moved to that community where you can actually own land and farm. And then Dancing Rabbit is more of like a, I wouldn't call it a commune, but it's um, membership driven. And uh, so so there's limitations and in, in challenges that come from depending the type of um of setup that they have, and you know we've talked to different families about uh, buying their own land or different families coming together and parceling off land so they can uh, have that type of um, uh, source of income or, or or to live off the the land itself. Um, and what do you see about the different types of, of styles? Uh, what is more attractive to you at, at this time? Uh, I, I definitely think, um, you know, I don't, I don't think we're interested in the, you know, the 100% income sharing scenario. Um, you're right. There's, there's, there's so many different, you know, types of, of, um, community setups. It's, it's, you know, you can, you can lump them into certain categories, but even within those categories, there's so many different takes on things. Um, we're definitely wanting something where we're part of a community for sure. Um, I think that's, that's a really important part of it. I think, especially for for my wife and with us having you know small kids, and and uh, most of our family lives in a totally different part of the country. So for us, that community element's really really important. However, at the same time, we don't want to be you know, like I said, in a commune type situation, a hundred percent. So that's kind of where kind of where we are separate but still not separate but you know our own family our own people but within within a larger community to to work with and to support each other because that was one of the questions i had um you know part of um you know going off to um partake of of this type of lifestyle is um leaving leaving what you have at this time so are you guys leaving a uh a good support system of, of family members and friends, or is that what you're looking for? And a lot of times the intentional community becomes like a surrogate family that, um, that you can share life with. So are there things that you think you might miss or that it's going to take a while to develop in, in a new environment? I think the biggest shift for, for us is just kind of, kind of be going from like, you know, the t- typical suburban, you know, lifestyle of <laughs> cookie cutter houses and, you know, manicured lawns and, and stuff like that. And, and, uh, going into a full, full on sustainable, you know, um, type lifestyle. I mean, as far as, uh, I guess a social shift, um, my wife and I, we, you know, as soon as we graduated from high school, I was off in the army. She wasn't far behind me. And, um, you know, that was, 
16, 17 years ago, and we, we've not moved back home. Even after I got out of the, out of the Army, um, you know, we chose to stay here in, in northern Kentucky. This is where we were when, when I got discharged, and, and we liked it here, so we stayed. So um, our family's always been, you know, 900, 1,000 miles away from us. Um, which, but of course, you know, over time you develop your own network of, of friends and, and, you know, um, you know, people that, you know, your own support system basically you build it over time. It's not necessarily your family. Um, but that is something, you know, that, that, you know, everyone needs is to have a support structure and everything. So like I said, that, um, we really like the idea of having a, a close knit community. And, and there's no way to accomplish this type of lifestyle in a suburban setting from what you see? You definitely can do better. I mean, absolutely. Um, I think every, there's things that everyone can do to, to, to live more um, more sustainably. I think for us, um, it, it goes a little bit farther than that, you know, not just necessarily, um, you know, consuming less or, uh, or, you know, things of that nature, but, but we really kind of feel like there's, there's so many facets of, of society right now that are just completely unsustainable, even, even, you know, beyond food production and energy production and stuff like that, but even economically and political and things like that, there, there are just, you know, a lot of things that we feel like are, are running their course, I guess. Um, so we just, we would like to be, like to be part of, of um, maybe a new model of, of society, you know, actual communities that, that take care of themselves and and um, are practicing different forms of, of uh, government and cooperation and, and things like that. What about, um, in, what challenges do you foresee in, um, in this transition? You know, the, it, there's cost in moving to a place, there's uh, acclimation to the environment, there's It takes time to to learn the the way people deal with conflict and uh, the different type of approaches to communal living. Even if you know the philosophy, to actually see it in practice, it takes a while to to get involved and be part of it. Um, what do you think um, the process is going to be like? Uh, we've this is something we've kind of been easing into for a while. Uh, so we we've prepared ourselves financially for it. I don't I don't think that's going to be too much of a problem. I think absolutely um, the cultural shift is going to you know that you, you mentioned is going to be something that that'll take a little bit of time to get used to. Um, but at the same time, it's something that we're kind of I guess looking forward to. You know, um, the big thing is probably I mean it's. Uh, You know, it's really different, you know, leaving your life going from a nine to five, you know, daily commute, pick the kids up from school type situation, um, and, um, you know, jumping into to such a radically different way of, of living your life. So I think it's probably, um, that, that that's probably going to be a big, big thing. Um, for us, I think it, it probably wouldn't be as difficult as, as it would be for, for perhaps some people just simply because We've, we've been small business owners. We've owned a business before. So we under, you know, we, I guess we kind of understand, you know, being self-starters and self-motivated and, and, um, you know, finding something to do all the time. So I think, I think that'll probably help a little bit with, with, um, with that shift. But it's, yeah, it's absolutely going to be, be a challenge. I think probably even 
well, perhaps maybe more so for for the children than than even for us. What do you, your kids think about this transition? Uh, have they expressed uh, excitement? Are they a little worried? Like, how, what has been their reaction to uh, your guys' plan? There, it, it's a it's a little bit of both. They're really excited about it. They love, um, you know, they love when we go to the farm, when we visit these places, you know, when we go do. Um, things like that, and they get to, you know, run wild and get dirty and, and, uh, you know, be feral children. But yeah, they, they also, of course, you know, they have their friends at school and, you know, sometimes they'll bring, oh, I'm going to miss my friends or, you know, this, that or the other. So, um, the good, the good thing is they're both pretty outgoing kids. They're both really positive, especially my, my daughter. She's like the most positive child that has ever been born to the earth. So, they're both really, really on board, which which is really cool. And I know we've talked about it in uh, kind of general terms, but what do you hope to achieve? Um, is there specific goals like, you know, in the next couple of years, we're going to be eating, you know, our own produce that we can, we can grow in our in in maybe a, a community garden. Uh, we want to be off of uh, chemicals in the soap and deodorant and the toothpaste. We want to you know make our own. Um, you know, personal items. We want to um, stop driving and adding to the pollution. We want to ride our bicycles and or use uh, uh, those veggie oil cars. Like, do you have specific things, or you're just open to see what what happens? We're we're pretty open. I mean, a big part of it is yes, we we want to be very, you know, we want to be very self reliant and self sustainable. Um, I wouldn't go so far as to, you know, say a complete rejection of, of using any sort of, you know, commercial product or whatever, but, but absolutely we're, we're very concerned about what it is we're putting in our bodies and on our bodies and surrounding our bodies with and everything. Um, you know, I don't think we're gonna, we're gonna, uh, resort to wearing burlap sacks or anything like that, but we'll, um, you know, definitely, definitely a shift in our choices. You know, for a lot of things, which has already happened to to, to a large extent. But um, you know, there's only, there's only so much you can do living within you know the the normal suburban culture, I guess. Um, ideally, yes, I'd love to be in a situation where I didn't have to own a vehicle. Uh, certainly, didn't have to drive a vehicle all the time. Um, just uh like i said we're a little bit open but but definitely we just want to our main goal is to live lighter more naturally more healthy um slower you know kind of a slower pace of life i, I guess is is uh, the way to do it just kind of get out of the the chaos of, of things and within that what is the ideal setting um what from all the different uh things you've seen through your research um what would be, I know you might not be able to get exactly what you want, but if you could get um, the ideal situation, what would it be like? Uh, I mean, ideally I would like, I think we've probably narrowed it down to the best bet would be to find an existing community that's, that's up and running. Um, you know, the they have the experience of, of um, you know, how how to make things work. You know, they're not trying to figure it out. It's not something that's necessarily going to, you know, fall apart suddenly and unexpectedly. So, you know, kind of like going to work for a, a new business or something as opposed to working for, you know, a company that's been around a while, you know. Um, maybe that. Um, 
definitely, and it really would all boil down to that, just a community that already has things going, it's stable, um, which I think is, is a concern for any parent, regardless of what whatever facet of the world it is, stability for your children. Um, that kind of already has, um, you know, their systems in place uh, that can help coach us along, help us get to where we're, you know, we're trying to be and, and you know, get integrated. Um, ideally, you know, I'd like to stay east of the Rockies. Um, other than that, you know, it's um, we're, we're pretty open. <laughs> Do you have any no, non-negotiables, like, things that, that you're not willing to put up with, um, you know, when, I don't know what, you mentioned politics and, and social issues. Um, is there any group that is a little too far out for you or a little too religious or a little too conservative that, that you wouldn't want to participate in that? Or are you pretty much willing to work with anybody? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think we're interested in getting into into any, any community where there's like a set, um, you know, like an official religion or, you know, a set set of religious or, or uh, political requirements or anything like that. Um, like I said, we're not really interested in getting into a commune type situation that, that, you know, like I say, it kind of gets a little too, too far into, you know, I don't know, the muck for us, if you will. Um, like I said, we still want to be able to have our own life, but be part of a community, not necessarily give up your life to be, you know, um, a you know, the community, so to speak. Um, but yeah, I would say that's the big thing. We really just kind of want the freedom to be who we are and not be forced to, to, um, forced into some sort of, of uh, mold that everyone in the community has to, to be a part of. But, I mean, as far as, you know, religion and politics and, and, you know, different social issues, I mean, we're very accepting and tolerant people. You know, variety is, is the spice of life uh, type thing. As long as you're not trying to, you know, to force anything on anyone else, we're, we're pretty good with it, you know. What about educational opportunities for your children? Uh, are you guys planning to homeschool, or do you want to be close enough to uh, a town where they can attend public school, or have you looked into different alternatives for that? Yeah, we, we would really, and a lot of communities, well, some of the communities we've looked at have got their own um, internal homeschool going on. We would love to do that. Um like we, we've spoke with, with our children, especially our, our daughter who, uh, she's in third grade now. She'll be going into fourth grade next year. Um, we've kind of talked to her about, you know, giving her the choice, you know, if, if, if it's available, would you want to homeschool? Would you want to still go to public school? You know, what, what would she want to do? So, um, that's absolutely, um, that's absolutely a huge consideration, um, uh, with the kids and, um, it would, it would have, there would definitely have to be, you know, there would definitely have to be an opportunity for, for, for one of the two. We couldn't be so stuck, you know, stuck off out in the middle of nowhere that, you know, you're going to have to drive your kid 40 miles to school or anything crazy like that. But, uh, we definitely like the idea of, of, of homeschool. Um, I don't know if we would be able to do that on our own, especially when you're, you know, trying to do all the other things, um, that are required to live that way. But, but that's definitely something that's attractive to us. 
Now we're going to turn uh, the conversation from a very formal discussion to a more personal discussion. And um, it's a little difficult for me to uh, to do this because um, we live in an intentional community for, actually lived there for a year, but we were involved for another year because we, it took a while for us to be able to actually find housing. So the struggles of some intentional communities is that the housing is not really a priority or something that is um, being um, actively worked on. Uh, communities that are older, um, they might have a lot of plots of land, but it's a long process to get, um, it's pretty much like getting permission to be able to build your own piece of land. And you also have to go through a sponsorship process where you have to kind of show enough interest and involvement and have someone mentor you and then you can apply for um, some type of um, full membership or provisional membership and then you can build so there's there's issues with that that, that can come about so um, in our experience that was the first hurdle that we had to deal with was transitioning from uh, we never actually had like um, a home or we kept on moving from apartments to RV to my parents' homes and stuff like that. But when we finally got to the place that we wanted to live, um, the housing that was available at that time wasn't uh, sufficient for a family of two and a baby. So um, have you guys thought about um, alternative forms of housing? Like some communities say, well, just buy an RV and, and you know, Plop it in someone's backyard and, and, you know, until something else comes along. And even living in an RV, especially in colder climate, uh, can be very challenging. Um, I know you have military background. Have you foreseen some of um, the logistics of the, the physical location and how to make that work with your, your family? Yeah, absolutely. That That's something that... that um that we've uh, had to, to think about, but it's, you know, until you really nail down where you're, you know, where you're going to be going, the, the, you know, what the exact situation is going to be hard to, to predict. Um, we, we've definitely prepared ourselves, you know, financially for, for the transition and, and, um, you know, that, that's, that's something that, that's kind of one of those potential things you are going to end up living in a, in an RV or, or we're going to have to rent something for a while or just, just what it's, it's going to be. Um, so yeah, yeah, definitely. That's definitely something where we've been thinking about, like I said, there's only so much you can do until you get to that point and you know, you know exactly what, uh, what you're going to be going to be faced with there. But, uh, again, that's kind of one of the, you know, one of the cool parts of the adventure, I suppose, if you can stay positive about, <laughs> about it. Well, and the reason I bring up your military background is because some people had to live in people's basements, some people had to live in buses or, you know, temporary um, buildings, and you start um, dealing with ticks, with roaches, with mice, uh, being in a rural setting, you know, all the creepy crawlers from uh, the, the forest come and get you. So, um, you know, people say, you know, I'm going to move to Costa Rica and, you know, build a house on, on a tree. And I'm like, that's great. But, you know, there's also poisonous uh, critters that can get you. So um, how outdoorsy and 
um, ready to go are you guys regarding that type of environment? Well, I mean, I, I grew up in, in East Texas, um, which, you know, it's, it's Texas, you know, it, it's hunting, it's, it's farming and it, it's all that. So I definitely grew up with that, uh, in the army. I was, I was in combat arms. So it was, you know, it, it wasn't an office job at all. I mean, we were, we were in the field, you know, doing our thing. Uh, my wife, the same thing. Well, not completely the same thing, but she, she grew up in a very outdoors, um, um, family. She, she grew up in North Louisiana, all her family, their hunters, campers, all that good stuff. Um, where we are now, we don't get to do as much of that. Unfortunately, we do. We definitely do get out and do, you know, some hiking and camping with kids and, you know, going out to the farms and stuff like that. So for them, they've had some exposure, uh, but probably not as much as it could potentially require. So, you know, that, that's something that in the short term could be, could be a, um, a shift for them. But, um, you know, kids, a lot of times, a lot of things are, are about how you, how you frame it and present it to them. And, and that's, that's one of the things we've been, um, been doing with them is, you know, all of this is an adventure, you know. So, um, and the reason I asked about politics and social views and stuff like that is because no matter how progressive an intentional community can be, there's going to be different ideologies and different approaches to, to life. And then there's also, the groupthink or clickish um, thing that can come up where, um, you know, the idea and the perfect environment would be for everybody's welcome, everybody's accepted, no matter what kind of mentality or perspective do you have. But what happens is that um, sometimes even in a, in a liberal environment, there's this um, kind of, it's, it's shielded from, from the rest of the world. So it becomes kind of like, Unless you agree on every level, you're you're seen as an outsider, and you're already seen as an outsider because you're coming late in the game and you're kind of Johnny come lately. But there's this idea that um, if you're if it's truly a progressive environment, you have to be um, in the same mode of thinking. And some of the modes of thinking from the older communities are old, like they are. Uh, back in the 60s and back in the 70s. And I believe that there's a lot of things that we can learn and bring to modern lifestyle from those um, radical uh, alternative views. But there are some things that maybe they don't really translate uh, with people who grew up in the 80s or who have had different experiences than dealing with the Cold War or with uh, the threat of nuclear war and, and things like that that were happening in that time and the Vietnam War. And so um, there's uh, there's that level of uh, participating in that type of, of mentality. So, um, and the same can go for educational uh, opportunities. Some of the educational opportunities are, are very um, unstructured and that's actually part of it because it's, um, they're they're meant to be in in distinction from the current public uh, school system so it's um you have to be very open-minded and very willing to try that philosophy uh to to see what is made out of and in sometimes the work in progress and sometimes for people who are more concrete thinkers or more um goal-based like you might not see the results 
And the same goes for the politics or the way that people run the community. So uh, have you studied, have you studied some of the different philosophies that uh, brought about the intentional community movement? Uh, some people come from a, kind of like the world is going to fall apart and we need to become isolationists. Other people come from the point of um, the only way that um, that I can be happy is if I have this type of environment, so I need to go create that. And other people are, to, to put it bluntly, they're kind of rejects from other groups and other societies that they felt that they weren't being uh, accepted or, or heard and understood from the traditional environments, so they attract each other to a type of alternative setting where people can can thrive and, and pursue um, what they're into without being criticized or ostracized by um, you know traditional society. So, um, what has been your um, your experience thinking about these things? Yeah, absolutely. There's there's um... There's a huge variety, like you said, of of kind of um, thoughts on you know on on I guess on how each community or what their motivation is, why they're there, and everything. Um, you know, as far as political, um, you know, political stuff in society. I'm I guess the way I would describe my politics is you know I'm kind of a libertarian um, type guy, so. I get along with everybody, and then I also disagree with with everybody on 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 uh, certain issues. Um, conservatives will call me a liberal, and liberal will call me conservative, and it, it you know gets goofy. But at the same time, I'm also I'd, I'd love to be challenged, um, you know, on, on my thinking on things, and and I think that's something that a large segment of our of our population here in the U.S. and, and really worldwide have, have totally abandoned and they've they've just completely like I said concreted themselves into to a certain set of of beliefs whether they're you know whether they're logical or not but um like I said I love to be challenged um you know on my on my thinking and, and, and my beliefs and, and I'm willing to to hear anybody out and, and you know discuss it with them. Um I I really enjoy that. Um the um you know as far as, as Going into, um, you know, into an, an existing community, um, kind of where they're head at is definitely, you know, and an important, um, you know, an important factor and, and something that, you know, you have to work through to determine if, if you're a fit and if the community is a, is a fit for you for sure. And I guess the only way to know is to try it. Um, but there are certain things that, that I have share, shared with different families about uh, things to look at as you're starting the process and to kind of be aware of because you never want to go into a situation kind of blinded uh, without being aware of, of the history and what's going on. And there are there are certain communities that have very long and complicated histories and it's like a it's a research project to, to unravel all the things that happened before someone gets there. Um, the thing with the educational component um, is um, is something that I think families should think about. You know, alternative uh, education or non-traditional education is uh, it's a very complicated thing, and um, it can go on so many different routes. Um, but again, you know, depending on the predilections of the parent and what they think is uh, 
appropriate or helpful for their children, there can be a lot of um, variety of thinking. So, um, so I'm just saying that um, I guess the way that the people would put it would be like, we can just all do the cookie cutter thing because uh, it makes us not have to think about it. You just put your kid in public school and, and see what happens. Uh, but at least you have an idea of, of how it works as compared to going to a newer kind of uh, approach that you might not be familiar with. And it's, again, it's an experiment. Um, and I think the the real thing that I would like to communicate to our audience is that intentional communities are experiments. So if someone goes into an intentional community with very concrete goals and very concrete uh, outcomes that they would like to see, they might... Um, Fall, fall flat on their faces because we're dealing with an experiment in intentional living. And some would say that not all intentional communities are intentional because people have very idealized perspectives on what intentional living is, as, as well as what an eco-village is, what a spiritual community is, what a... Um, community-based uh, political system and, and uh, decision-making processes. So high expectations and uh, unrealistic um, goals can, can create a lot of turmoil in someone's heart. So again, from personal experience, I, I just like for people to be aware of the limitations of an intentional community. And there's limitations in cities, there's limitations in neighborhoods and neighborhood associations. But uh, for some reason, I guess, and in, in, in the people in the alternative uh, world would say, we've been programmed to assume that cities and, and communities don't work or they, they, they don't work that well. And that's why we're going to an intentional community. But then you get to an intentional community and some of the same struggles happen there. And then we're brokenhearted because we, we we had idealized and projected all these romantic ideas to these places. So anything that is human-based is going to have flaws and is going to have challenges. But um, I, I just, for the years that, that we pursued that experiment, I kept on seeing multiple families being disheartened because they saw the reality of things. And then there's other families that they have this utopian uh, idea in their mind that might not ever happen, and they're constantly in in conflict with themselves and their own families of trying to find or create that environment, and it's just, it doesn't happen. So, um, so it's a very difficult thing, and uh, I just wanted to know if, if you thought about these things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I see that. I can see that being a very real, uh, real problem. Uh, building expectations and, and ideas that just aren't there, um, and that that's definitely um, something that we've. Uh, well, that's why we're. I guess you'd say we're visiting places. Like I said, we definitely we've done a ton of research on on a ton of communities, and, and we've kind of done that legwork, like you like you talk about. You know, kind of trying to explore the history and. Um, you know, the different communities and, and, um, you know, following them, going back through, you know, whatever media you can find on them. 
Um, and then actually going and spending some, some time there. Like I said, we've, we've visited a couple of places and, um, you know, like I said, we're getting ready to go to Dancing Rabbit. So we're, we're going to be out there for, for about a week and a half, um, actually later on this month. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, there's, there's no such, there's no such thing as perfections and, or, or as perfection and, and, um, people are people. So <laughs> you're, you know, you're never gonna, you're never gonna, um, find heaven on earth, so to speak, and, and to kind of expect it, I think, is is, is rather naive. Well, and then the flexibility, like, um, you know, being able to um, to evolve with the place where you're at, I guess that is the one thing that um, that we're all kind of struggling with in the, in the cities is that cities are not flexible. Um, the, the previous interview, we were talking about how if you want to build a shed in, in your backyard, you have to ask for permission. In some intentional communities, you, you have to ask for permission also, but um, but you're dealing directly with the the people who run the place. Like you can go to the directors of the board, or you can with without having to go to the the city commissioner or whomever. Um, I know someone that they got sued by the city because they built a fence. And the fence was there to protect their child from running into the street, but since the the city had made a deal with a certain contractor, because they didn't go to the contractor, now they were getting sued. And to me, that's an extreme example of how ridiculous living in a city has become. So, uh, the last conversation we had, uh, they mentioned that they would like to buy their own land so they can do whatever they want in their land. But the only type of land that you can do whatever you want is in the rural setting because there is no deed restrictions. And, and then there's challenges from living in a rural setting. Like when we lived in uh, an intentional community in Tennessee, it took us an hour to get to Costco to buy groceries that, you know, we would, it would last for two weeks. It took us 30 minutes to get to Walmart and the closest hospital was also 30 minutes. So it's, it's a lifestyle that you have to kind of get used to. And there was one that someone mentioned where, it was actually three hours to get to Costco. It was in, in Arizona. So no plug for, for which um, grocery store people go to, but if you're trying to stock up for the for the next month or whatever, um, it's going to be a day trip. And after a while, it might get a little old. Just things that you know we've, we've picked up uh, on, on the road and many conversations that I've had with different people uh, going through those experiences. I want to um, delve into... What are the things that bother you about society? Like, again, we've talked about it in general ways, but um, like you said, when, when you have children, you want to impart the best situation for them. And I've also run into doomsday preppers that say that there is no future and that that's why they have to go move into the woods and, and build a bunker. So do you think that the future uh, of, of the next generation is a, a green one? And like I've mentioned in the show in the past, do you think that some of the political and social um, things that have happened in the last months, it's like a last hurrah for the traditional um, way of doing things, and then maybe there is hope that the next generation will choose better? Yeah, I mean, I think things have to change. There. If things continue on the on the way that they've been done, you know, for the past you know seventy five hundred years uh, or or more, 
you know, in, in Western society and in, in America specifically, um, yeah, we, we could run into a doomsday scenario on, on, on many levels, whether it's, you know, financial or, or, um, you know, cultural, you know, society, you know, violence within, you know, within the, uh, the public or, or just whatever. Um, you know, one of the things that I've, I've kind of noticed, not, you know, I'm, I'm in my mid thirties, but, you know, just growing up in the eighties, nineties and, and, you know, now we're, you know, into the second decade, you know, approaching, you know, going into the, you know, 2020 almost. It just seems like every, every cycle, you know, it's kind of like politically and culturally, um, I like to compare it to a pendulum, but instead of, you know, losing momentum and swinging less to the extremes every time, it's like it's a pendulum that picks up momentum every time and it, and it swings farther and farther to the extremes every time. Um, and there's just nobody that's in the middle that's willing to talk and, and, and to work through things and, and to consider, you know, other, other ideas. It's just everybody is completely all in committed and blind to anything that, that doesn't fall in completely with, with their line of thinking. And, um, you know, that, that's, that's bad. And, and I think again, for our generation, uh, another thing is we're probably, you know, kind of the generation that we're, we're really getting into being adults when, when the recession hit in 2008 and, and everything. And, and, um, you know, even moving beyond that, the economy is so much different now uh, than it was before. I'd say in a lot of ways that, that uh, you know, our generation, me being in the mid-30s and then the ones coming behind us, you know, the millennials are probably uh, the first generation since probably the Great Depression that, that you know, is not necessarily better off than their than their parents were. Um, and, and I think that, that there's there's a lot of reasons for that, you know, um, but but uh, like I said, when you you know have kids, you start paying more attention to these things, and and um, you know I just see the amount of debt that you know that the country has, and and the the boom bust cycle of, of the economy, and and um, you know just the you know the changing of of society and and, and technology and and um you know what what kind of jobs and opportunities are there going to be you know 20 30 years from now for for our kids and of course that's assuming that you know any other number of of changes or or you know problems don't run their course between now and then like i said it has things have to change whether we want them to or not and and typically human nature is you don't address things until you have to you don't pick up a healthy diet until you have a heart attack and you don't start smoking until, you know, you, you get, you know, lung cancer or whatever. In order for people to make radical changes, it seems like there has to be a, a crisis. And, and um, I really don't feel like we're we're far off from that. I guess I feel like it's better to be ahead of the curve. <laughs> well, and then uh, intentional communities were um, like a, a paradise or uh, an oasis in the midst of a, uh, very um, gloom um, scenarios that they were being portrayed in the 60s and 70s. And, you know, the one that we were part of, they had their own um, farming where they, they provided food for all the people that lived there. Uh, they had health system. Um, you know, it became to a certain point unsustainable, but there was this drive to, to create a better society. Um these pockets of intentional communities that are being created or have existed in, in the U.S., uh, in a sense, are trying to, to have the same um, thing. And, you know, the word sustainable has is, is thrown a, around a lot, but 
how do you define that? Do you define it as um, gonna? It's like fossil fuels uh, are not sustainable because they're gonna run out. So do you, do you define sustainable as um, like renewal? Like what do they call it? Um, energy that you can renew, like something that that has a cycle and is more in touch with nature. How how do you see it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, to me, it's just doing something that can, you know, doing doing things in a way that that is can be done perpetually. Um, you know, like you said, there's only so much oil, but there's wind and sunshine is you know is plentiful. They're not going anywhere. If they do, then we're gone too anyway. So it doesn't really matter. Um, also, food production, like I said, you can't, you know, we we can't keep eating food from. California on the East Coast or, you know, food from Mexico. It's just, you know, that's, that's not sustainable. Um, you know, food production has to be done closer to where it's consumed. Um, you know, not even just transportation issues, but, you know, also just, just, you know, health issues, um, you know, that go along with a lot of the food production, um, commercial farming and, and things of that nature that we're doing. And a lot of it, you know, is, is actually doing harm to, to the environment that, that it's actually, you know, using to produce the food. So, uh, for me, it's just doing things that can be done, you know, theoretically at least for eternity. Um, whether it's renewable energy or, um, aquaculture, permaculture, um, you know, for, for food production, um, you know, th things of that nature, basically, um, creating systems that, that, that are sustainable. You're not really supposed to use the word in the, in defining it, but <laughs> create systems that, that can basically take care of themselves and, and, uh, take care of us and each other. And, and, um, I think, I think a lot of self-sufficiency for me is a part of it, not necessarily, um, for everybody, but to, to be able to take care of yourself and, and, you know, to an extent, take care of others, you know, even beyond your own household, have some overlap with other people, you know. And tell us about your interest in an eco-village. Um, you know, there's different, I guess there, there's only one definition of an eco-village, but there's different approaches that people have taken to that. Uh, it is also part of the permaculture and sustainability to have um, building structures that are made with natural materials that are going to be working with the environment. Um, you know, even in, in places that are very pro-eco-village or pro-alternative, uh, there's issues that come up about if you build a house with mud and, and, and hay that it can fall apart on you or the, the mud runs into the street or... Um, you need a lot of skill to be able to do something like that or, or a lot of money. Uh, what has been your experience uh, learning uh, about eco-villages and permaculture so far? That's uh, all that stuff's really interest, interesting to me. I'm, I'm definitely somebody, you know, I find it's something I'm interested in and I, and I self-educate as much as, as possible. But, um, you know, there's there's no learning like doing that for sure. Um that's one of those areas where, where I definitely hope that, that wherever we land, that they've got sufficient experience to, to help, you know, to help me kind of, um, kind of work through a lot of those issues and, and, um, you know, how to, uh, how to work with them. But, um, 
you know, as far as exactly the, you know, types of construction, things of that nature, you know, of course, that's going to, it's very dependent upon, you know, upon where you're at, you know, where you're, where you're located. Um, but I'm really, one of, one of some of the things that are really interesting to me is, is definitely, you know, pa- uh, you know, the passive solar designs, um, straw bell and, and earth bag type, uh, type stuff. Um, spent a lot of time reading and, and watching YouTube about that kind of stuff. It's really, really fascinating to me. Um, on the food production side, the thing that, that's really, um, um, caught my interest is, um, is, uh, aquaponics. Uh, you know, producing your protein along with your, your vegetation and kind of creating a little closed loop ecosystem there. Um, that's, um, that's, that's really interesting to me. And then of course, like I grew up in East Texas, there's, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, cattle, um, cattle <laughs> raising and, and a lot of farming and, and, and all that. So, so I've been, uh, I grew up around that. I was, a I was a SSA member and <laughs> all that good stuff. So, um that that'll all be of, of use to me for for probably the first time in my in my adult life. But um but yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to a lot of that. And for those in our audience that haven't uh checked this out, there's a documentary on YouTube that um there's a gentleman, I believe it either New Mexico or Arizona where he built his house with uh, old tires and bottles and he was an architect, and he built that loop where, you know, the water that comes in from the rain, um, it uh, irrigates the plants, and then the plants, um, they um, they process the the wastewater, and then it serves as, as compost, and then he got fruit out of it, and he got like a like some type of uh, climate control setup. And um, they revoked his architect license for doing that. The the reason that people move to rural settings is because they're allowed to experiment and try new things. So, but that's the challenge that we were talking about earlier, where uh, the further out, the less resources, and then you have to do things from scratch. So you have to do your school from scratch. You have to do your grocery shopping. You know, some places the Amish or other uh, people. Um, provide uh, some of the resources we it took us a long time to find an organic amish um, market because they use pesticides also so yeah so again with um, uh, idealizing people and things like people think oh you know the uh, the amish of course but um, some of them are dying of cancer from using the pesticides um, because the production is very difficult to produce um, vegetables without uh using some type of chemical to keep the bugs out so um so yeah so it took us they were like you know 30 minutes away into the woods and it took us a year to even find out that they they were around and then um so yeah so there's there's all kinds of challenges but again uh it it's a good experience and it's something to to see if it's possible and there's people who've been doing this type of lifestyle for many years but it goes back to being able to survive with less and there's some of us who like to have a lot of stuff around for some reason it gives us comfort or we like to know that whatever we cannot produce ourselves we can go buy at the store but uh, people become very self-reliable and very thrifty with ways to 
to make their their living and and to make uh, ends meet. And um, so, again, uh, I want to encourage people to pursue uh, these type of um, adventures or possibilities. But I also want to discuss it freely in, in our conversations, some of the challenges, some of the positive, and some of the negative things that can come about from, you know, just, just um, trying new things. And like everything, um, sometimes it takes many failures to bring about a success. So um, there are families who, who have tried a lot of different things. And I think that we need to be able to support each other and, and encourage people no matter what uh, route they, they take. Um so at this point, are you using Facebook to share your experience, but or you're also using it as a support network to help you through the process? Uh, a little bit of both. Uh, I mean, on the personal side of, of Facebook, I guess uh, my wife and I are both members of, of multiple groups. Um, you know, as far as you know, intentional communities and and uh, you know, off grid living and sustainable. You know, different facets of, of uh, sustainable living. Um, we're definitely involved there on the personal level. Just recently, um, we're, um, we've started, uh, our blog, um, which is, it's called Everyday Sustainable. Um, we've got a Facebook page and then just here in the past day or so getting the actual web page, um, you know, set up. And, uh, that's what I was doing before, before we got on the phone was, was writing some of the first, uh, uh, blog posts, but, but that's, um, that's one of the things we're doing, uh, of course, to generate income, but then also uh, to kind of document our journey, journey, and, and like you said, hopefully uh, uh, encourage other people to, um, you know, to uh, to perhaps do the same thing. Um, and if not, you know, I mean, at least give them a glimpse and maybe give them that that information um, that'll, you know, that'll equip them to make the decision as to whether or not it's it's right, you know, for them. So. Um, so yeah, we're going to, um, we're going to try to do that and, and kind of, um, you know, pass that, uh, pass that experience and, and whatever knowledge that we, we gain along to, to the next one, you know? Okay. And for those that want to check out your blog, I can give us a little bit more information. Yeah. That, uh, it's, it's everyday-sustainable.com. Uh, that'll, that'll take you to our homepage. Uh, it's the same uh, same thing, but minus the dash on Facebook. Everyday sustainable. You'll know it's us because our logo's got a little a uh, little tree on top of it, and uh, our our profile pic is our uh, our two kids. Uh, wait, no, our profile pic is the logo. It's the it's the little tree logo, and then uh, um, it used to be our kids picking strawberries, but but that'll be it. But yeah, you'll know it's the white white background it says everyday sustainable with a little tree over top of it. Well, wonderful. Well, we'd love to have you in the future or giving us updates throughout the next couple of months. Um, uh, again, um, our project here on the mystic and the skeptic is called Sojourners. And I've been interviewing different families that, that I came across while living in an intentional community, but they all are remarkable people who are doing great things in the community. So um, I appreciate you coming on our show and sharing uh, your experience and your future plans. Um, I think it's always uh, wonderful to see people not just complaining about the situation, but actually doing something about it. And and that's what, what we want to do with Sojourners. Um, you know, I was getting bogged down with the politics and the reposting of, of ridiculous art articles. I wanted to create new media that, um, that actually gives people hope in 
an opportunity to see the great things that people are doing um, and just, you know, check something else out that, that might give you ideas for stuff that can help you in your own personal life. So um, I'm I'm very honored to have you on our show. And again, uh, you're welcome to, to come back or if you have other friends who are also pursuing this type of um, opportunities for them to um, contact us and maybe share their experience as well. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me.